Hello, this is Elizabeth Mower, president of BEI. And I'm John Brown, the founder of BEI. Each episode, we take you into the world of exit planning, sharing the stories, struggles, and opportunities of business owners and their advisors. We'll get into this episode's conversation right after this. As an advisor, you have the technical skills to assist business owners in exit planning. However, few advisors know how to package the process and use it to drive the demand for their service. Learn how when you attend an upcoming bootcamp workshop. Visit exitplanning.com forward slash bootcamp to see the latest schedule and to register. That's exitplanning.com forward slash bootcamp. Don't miss the opportunity to take advantage of all exit planning can offer and to set yourself apart from the competition. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode. It's so good to be here. Today, I brought with me sort of a very large bucket of topics to talk about. We're never going to get through it all, so we're just going to kind of dig around and see which ones seem like the most fun. So, John, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, perfect. So, the the topic that's been kind of rolling around in my head for the last few days or a couple of weeks is something that came up in a conversation that I was having with a business owner. And in about 30 or 40 minutes of this conversation, uh, we tripped over, you know, without much of an agenda or just, you know, we were just sort of talking a lot of different areas of risk for this business, for the owners, for the next generation of owners that they want to develop and uh, and retain within the company. And I remember thinking after that conversation was over that this company really has a lot of risk that could dramatically affect the future for the company, uh, the owners who are who kind of have their eye on the door and are looking at maybe trying to get out and those other owners who are non-owners who have their eye on the other door trying to maybe get in. And none of the risks that we had talked about were particularly dramatic or sensational, but uh, some of them alone and some of them combined really could make a pretty significant difference. And so I have a, a, a pretty long mental list of the risk factors that could affect a business owner achieving their own goals for the future. But I'll hold mine for a second and John, see if, give me maybe just your first topic that comes to mind or the risk that you think is the biggest, but it doesn't have to be because they're all pretty significant if they end up if they end up causing problems. So what do you think is an example of what I'm talking about? And there might be people who have no idea what I'm talking about. So what's a yeah. good example? So maybe the way I would think about is what is risk to a business owner? What what do we talk about when we're talking about risk? And, and how do we quantify that risk? And there's a lot of different approaches that, that you just kind of mentioned earlier. So, but for me, when we're looking at owners who ultimately want to transfer their business, the biggest risk is whether or not the transferable value has been affected. So what transferable value means is that if I'm gonna buy somebody's business, and I know the owner is going to leave after I buy the business. I want to be sure the business can continue well without that owner. Uh, the biggest risk then to an owner who's seeking to sell at some point is what happens if my key employee or key employees decide to leave? 
either when they learn of that third party sale initiative, or they just decide they can do a better job on their own. They can take uh, some of the key employees with them. They can take some of the customers with them. Uh, they can take maybe some vendors with them. So they just quit and they set up a competing company that's already has great employees and really good customers because it's our clients business that's been affected. So that's the first thing we have to think, be aware of. If, if we don't have key employees, we probably don't have a real valuable business that could be transferred. So we can assume that we've got key employees. We need to motivate them and incent them to not just grow the value and do a great job, but to stay with the business long-term, or if they leave, make sure they cannot solicit uh, customers, employees, take trade secrets and things like that. So the greatest risk to business is their best employees leaving. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a really good point. And the valuation people and the transaction intermediaries do try to beat into our heads that the people make a really big difference in the ability to successfully transition a business. I of course always, you know, sort of make sure that uh, when I'm talking to people that I'm articulating that as as an issue that's going to affect both a third party sale and an internal transfer. Right. The risk the risk is very similar and that once addressed that risk can uh, the opposite that once the risk is sort of managed, then I think the opposite forces are at play, regardless of whether you're going towards a third party sale to, a, to an outside buyer or an internal transfer. And those are that the company is uh, hopefully performs a little better, that the people who are running the show are well aligned, that they are, you know, if you're putting these incentive and retention plans in place for your top people, that it causes, uh, that it causes them to perform at their best level and that you're able to recruit and then retain the greatest talent in the business. And so I think the the issues that maybe we don't talk about quite enough are that these risks uh, can really can really do a lot of damage to the plans for the future of any particular business or its owner. And the mitigation of those risks can really provide a huge boost uh, in either in value or stability or strength or likelihood of success of a future transfer, whatever it is. Do you agree that the risk flips itself inside out sort of and becomes, and becomes a, an advantage? Oh, I really think so. And, and that, that's really a good point. And this is, I mean, it's pr pretty obvious that we need to keep key employees and motivate them. And so it's not done very often or not done well very often, but I mean, owners can appreciate that. And I think what you're touching on, Elizabeth, is not nearly as obvious. And it, it deals with keeping all of the employees engaged in the business, having them have a sense of mission or meaning as they work in the business, creating a culture that engages all of the employees and makes them want to be with the company and improve the company. And that's a pretty, it's, 
I don't know how you put your finger on, okay, so here's one thing that you can do that will make the culture suddenly be great so that everybody wants to stay forever. It's more of probably an ongoing effort on the part of the owner and management to create that type of an environment. Mm-hmm. I agree. And and maybe we can say, try to try to give a few other areas that are going to be maybe tangential to to these core areas of risk that you've identified and again the list is really longer than we have time for here but but one of the one of the others that I've seen I suppose people would want us to say you know the economy the, the you know the massive disruptions in worldwide supply chains for different kinds of materials and things like that so yes and yes and yes those are just those have always been risks mm-hmm. and they always will be. And so during periods of calm, we don't focus on them as much, but during uh, periods of tension between our country and others and in disruptions to uh, to supply chains and things like that, there's those risks, those risks sort of, they come home to roost. And, you know, but in addition to those, which I think should not be overlooked and they are important, they're just less, we're a little bit less able to to um, to control them, we can just we can just plan, prepare and respond. Then I think there are also always always sort of these ongoing competitive risks for business owners. So is there someone else coming into the marketplace that's trying to uh, disrupt or displace your business? And wh- how are they trying to do that? And how are you going to make sure that they're not able to do it successfully? So I think some businesses that get a little bit complacent in their uh, in their status or their market share or their position are have are pretty vulnerable and my, somebody may come around to, to knock them off. And I've also seen a lot of issues with, and this is for risks that affect both third uh, sale to an outside third party buyer and also internal transfer are things like operational risks where, um, you know, you kind of just haven't done your maintenance and you haven't updated your systems and you haven't uh, followed modern procedures. The economy and the ways of doing business are changing pretty rapidly. And I think that owners need to maybe look at uh, trade groups and other kinds of of organizations whose job it is to identify trends, changes, and who's on the cutting edge and keep track of that. Because doing things the way we used to do them or the way we've always done them is going to, I think, I think progressively create higher and higher risk. So I'd say competitive risks and operational risks need to be at the top of the list of things that we're evaluating on a pretty regular basis. And then you can either, John, you can say, uh, if you have if you have thoughts on that, then I would encourage you to share them. Or if you have other risks that you think we want to make sure that we talk about before we run out of time, I would love to hear those as well. So yeah, I would put what you just said is, is are clearly risks. You could flip those and talk about what drives value in a business because owners clearly. <laughs> They don't pay much attention to the risk often, but they do want to always increase the value of their business. So what you were just talking about, or we were just talking about, you can say, well, what is it that private equity firms look for in a business when they want to acquire it? And the three biggest value drivers are one, a capable management team that can run the business without the owner. Secondly, 
operating systems that are essentially state of the art. They're current, they're up to date, they're well run and maintained. And then the third one that we haven't talked about is a diversity of customer base. So if we have too much of a concentration in the customer base, that not only diminishes the value, but it, it, the reason it diminishes value is it increases risk. Two sides of the same coin for every risk, there's probably something called a value driver that would offset or avoid that. And it may be a, a nice way of talking about risk to an owner. You know what, I think that's a really good point. And I'm not sure that, that we've done that. We do spend a lot of time in our work focusing on value drivers because it does uh, resonate mm -hmm. with those who own their own businesses. And the risk factors are things that maybe we should be tracking them and evaluating them and keeping our eye on them as advisors and presenting them as value building opportunities. Because as advisors, it is our responsibility to identify these risks and then try to measure them or evaluate them in whatever way we can or asking another expert, a subject matter expert to do so and then recommend uh, ways that those risks can be mitigated. But if we present them in the form of a value building recommendation, then we may in fact, I think as you point out, get more attention and maybe get more focus on those things. So the risk is uh, there's so many of them, so many areas that, that business owners may not see or that advisors may not be aware of because they're too focused on a, on a narrow area of practice. And we're really gonna benefit our clients if we identify those things and maybe wrap them into our value building uh, activities yeah. and engagements, right? I agree 100%. And uh, I would leave uh, at least my part of this presentation with one quick little example of risk and value drivers. I was talking to an owner some time ago and we were talking about, you know, the need, he, the owner had a key employee in the business and the owners were starting to back away from the business. So the owner, the key employee was becoming more important. And, and I suggested, well, you know, we should think of maybe some kind of an incentive plan for this uh, key employee to make sure he stays and then combine that with a non-solicitation agreement. And the owner said, we don't have to do any of that. I play, pay him plenty enough. Well, he didn't and that employee eventually left. And so what I should have really focused on more was how can we grow the, your value of your company even more, even faster, and then bring in the risk mit mitigation or avoidance aspect of that. And I think I would have done a better job for that owner. I think that's a good point. And as advisors, we're, you know, we're constantly learning from our experiences with our clients and we don't like it when we look back and see that we could have done something better or differently, but it is the case. So we appreciate you sharing and being willing to say, I think I could have done it differently. And I think that I could have, I think I could have made more progress. Yeah. And I don't mind saying that Elizabeth, because the statute of limitations has long run. <laughs> I know. And, and so you're in the clear, plus we won't tell anybody. Okay. And, uh, and all of the podcast past listeners will keep your secret and just learn from it and, 
and have a slightly different conversation with their clients. And that is ultimately, that's why we plan is that we're trying to get good outcomes for our clients and we're trying to be as smart and as helpful and as thoughtful and as proactive as we possibly can be. Those who are not interested in those things tend not to become planners, but you and I are because we think getting good outcomes is fun and we're willing to put in the time to do it. And those are the people that are, I think, following this podcast as well. Thank you and thank you, the audience, for listening. Yes. That's why we plan. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time.